The following is a sermon from Pastor Timothy Borman and Sure Foundation, a church located in Woodside, Queens, New York, the world's most diverse community. For more information and for more audio content, go to sure-foundation.org. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our, uh, our sermon series for this morning continues on in, in Matthew chapter 5. So if you're here in the church, uh, have opened your bulletins to page 11. If you're listening in on Zoom, you can open up your Bibles there to, to Matthew chapter 5. And we're, we're into our next topic, Jesus' next teaching on, on love and lust. And so as we hear Jesus' words, I want to ask you to please stand as this is our, is our gospel lesson for today. And here's what Jesus gives to us. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. This is the gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. Recently, a journalist in The Atlantic described what she called her, her re-entry into the dating world, post-COVID. She said that the first thing that she did is she made profiles on, on the dating apps. And right away that afternoon, she heard a little ting on her phone, a notification, and she received in her message box a very surprising lewd photo. She didn't know what to say. She said that, that sexting apparently is what you do these days. That's what she said. She said she also noticed this, this weird little acronym that is popping up literally all over the place. You know what I'm talking about? It's called ENM. She didn't know what that meant. She said that she, she looked it up and it means ethical non-monogamous. ENM, ethical non-monogamous monogamous. In other words, on people's dating profile, they are letting you know up front that it is their intention to not only be with you sexually, but with whoever else they want to be with. And this is ethical, they think. This is ethical because they've told, they've, they've been honest with you and because you've consented to it. 
ENM, ethical non-monogamous. And things go on like that. This is, this is the, um, the rough and tumble world that we live in when it comes to lust and love. Now, there might be people thinking here today or listening in online, like there are, there are more than 50 shades of gray when it comes to these things. But I want to do something here today with you. And I want to show you that there are not shades of gray. I want to listen carefully and sensitively with you to, to the words of our Savior who died and rose for you and who loves you so. And I want to, I want to understand with you just what it is that he's teaching us. He's got a, he's got a clear teaching for us in, in a definition of what lust is. We want to talk about that. I also want to go into you about why lust is a perversion. It's a corruption of God's original intent. And then finally, I want to look at you and empower with you, empower you to live a holy life. So I want to start, first of all, by talking about lust and what it is. Lust is simply this. It is sexual happiness. Any kind of sexual happiness outside of the marital bond. So it could be an imagine, in your imagination, or it could be in your behavior. It is sexual happiness outside of the marital bond. That's what Jesus says. Now, more narrowly, more narrowly, uh, married people can commit acts of lust. This is what we call adultery. So an adulterous relationship is when a married man or a married woman looks in their imagination or in their behavior outside of the marital bond for sexual happiness. That's adultery. Jesus also teaches and throughout the scriptures, I want you single people to know that you are not off the hook. <laughs> if you are off the hook, then the worst decision that you could ever make would be to get married. But single people can also commit acts of lust. But it's not called adultery. Do you know what it's called? It's called fornication. Fornication is an act of lust, either, either, either in the imagination or in the behavior, where you act like married people when you're really not. That's what Jesus says. Now, on the, on the flip side of this, on the flip side of this, Jesus helps us to see that not all desire and not all sexual happiness is lust. In fact, what he says is, there's a beautiful relationship that you can enter into where you share everything. You literally share everything. You mingle your bank accounts. You mingle your lives. You have joint children. You, you, you promise to be with each other until death do you part. And when and only when you enter into a relationship like that, you can enjoy sexual happiness. And I can tell you that when you enter into that relationship and you enjoy sexual happiness, it is like, it is like blowing on hot coals. It is guilt-free. It is something that, that binds you together in a union that is meant to be lasting. 
That is love. Lust is when you enjoy nakedness without even knowing if you get the next day. And that is sin, Jesus says. Now, we can, we can understand what this means then. It means, it means that when a person puts in their dating profile ethically non-monogamous, there's nothing ethical about it. It's clear and black and white. It also means that when two co-workers who are unhappy with their relationship at home, they're unhappy with their spouse, and when they begin to have lunch at work with, with that person that's, that's attractive, and then their hands touch, and there's sparks that fly, and we know what happens next. That's adultery. See? And we know that when, when a woman walks by on Roosevelt and the men leer at her, and they undress her in their minds, that's lust. And we know that we know that when you open up your cell phone to that OnlyFans site, or you click on that article with a nearly naked woman, that too is lust. And when you're scrolling through your Instagram feed and there's, there's a man there, and he's got his shirt off and his, hand, his pants are hanging way too low. And you pause on it. But that too is lust. They're not 50 shades of gray here. There's adultery, there's fornication, and there's lust. Now I want to I wanna show you this morning why this is wrong. I, I think that there's enough people out there that are thinking, well, why is, so, why is it so bad? Like to imagine something in your mind. And so I want to I wanna give you at least, I want to give you two reasons why. First of all, this is a violation of love for God. Because of the creator's intent. Now, here in the United States, we, we actually protect the creator's intent. You know what the law is called? The authorial intent. It's copyright law. Copyright. And this is, this is a, a helpful thing for creators and for, for authorship. It's copyright law. It, I read an interesting article about Winnie the Pooh. Did you know that Winnie the Pooh is no longer protected by copyright law? And do you know what the first thing that people did with Winnie the Pooh in the Hundred Acre Wood after it was no longer protected with copyright law? They corrupted it. They, they perverted Winnie the Pooh. You know, the first movie that came out post-copyright law was a movie with the title Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. And you can watch the trailer. Like, like Winnie the Pooh is turned into an axe, absolute, bloodthirsty, axe-wielding, angry at Christopher Robin, Winnie the Pooh. It's a corruption. It's a, it's a perversion. Intent matters doesn't it? And God's intent for sexual happiness is that it would take place within the marital bond. And if we corrupt it, if we use it for something other than his intention, that's a perversion. 
So that's the first reason. That's the first reason why this is wrong, that this is a violation of our love for God. But second of all, this is a violation of our love for neighbor. Now, I don't know if you know this, people, there was a scandal, right, on one of the morning shows where, where two people decided they weren't in love with their spouses anymore. They weren't even sorry for it. Here's the thing that you need to understand. I read a journal article about this. That the party who's offended when someone else commits adultery suffers only something that can, can be uh, compared with trauma. You know what happens to them? They, they run through their heads. It, it may be a false imagination, may be true, but they run through their heads what their loved one did with the other person. It's traumatic. Really is. It, it leaves a, a wake of destruction behind. And there is almost no human suffering. I can tell you this because I work with you. There's almost no human suffering like that. It's, it's a lack of love for the other person. Now, so maybe you're sitting there thinking, well, Pastor, what about, what about pornography? Well, let's talk about pornography. A lot of Americans, a lot of Americans think that pornography doesn't harm anybody. I read a book, or a, a piece of it, by, by two sociologists. It's a, it's a book that's called Premarital Sex in America, and they, they unpack the lies that Americans believe. Here's the truth about pornography. This is the damage that it does. I want to share three things about pornography this morning. The first thing would be this, that when someone uses pornography, it creates unrealistic, listen to this, unrealistic expectations for the human body. In other words, afterwards, the sexual experience is ruined. Secondly, it diminishes the tolerance that men, specifically men, have for relationships. In other words, men, men are led to believe that they can have it any way that they want right now. And when they don't, they're done with you. It diminishes, that's a lack of love. Nothing less and nothing more. And thirdly of all, women are now being asked to perform sexual acts that are glamorized in pornography. Every single time, pornography is not okay. It's not a joke. It, it kills. So, so sexual perversion, corruption, is always and only a violation of the first table of, of, of the law of love for God and also for neighbor. And I could give more examples, but we're going to run out of time. Now, I want to... I want to end the sermon this morning by looking at what powers holiness. Because Jesus gives us a, a clear and very practical teaching here about what powers holiness. And the first thing that I want to do is give a clear warning, because Jesus does too. I mean, he's, Jesus, Jesus has us plucking out eyes and, and chopping out limbs so that we could, we could avoid all of this destruction and sin. This is, this is, he, he has us Ending, if we decide to choose lust, that life ends where, according to Jesus? Hell. 
It's a hellish path. And I want to explain that for a little bit. Like, why, why is Jesus showing us that this path ends in hell? Because first of all, first of all, that sexual addiction, let's call it what it is, is hellish. One of the, one of the things that, that, that we learn from the scriptures is that the hellish experience includes unsatisfied thirst. When you think about that parable where, where um, the rich man who's, who's burning his house in house says, all I want is to quench my thirst. And, and what is the response? No. So sexual addiction is unsatisfied thirst. Think about that. Maybe you just want to feel loved. Maybe you just want to have that pleasurable moment. But is it, is it ever enough? Is it ever enough? It's hellish when it's lived outside of the marital bond. And Jesus says, you know where it ends then? Experiencing that for eternity. That's what what Jesus says. So there's a warning here. But I want to see with you for a second what undergirds all of this. Because Jesus holds out another tantalizing possibility that there is another way, doesn't he? And the language that he uses is comparative language, like good, better, and best. It's better this way. He assumes, he actually assumes the possibility and the reality that for sexual sinners, there is salvation in his great name. Doesn't he assume that? How does that happen? I want to I want to assure you of this this morning. I, I was thinking about this all week. Like, what do, what do I say to you this morning? I want to say this to you as clearly as I can, because this is what I know that as human beings we struggle with this. I want you to know. Maybe no some maybe no one's ever said this to you before, so I'm going to say it. Your sins are forgiven because of what Jesus has done. Maybe you're sitting there thinking, Pastor, you don't know what I've done. Well, God does, and He forgives your sins. Well, Pastor, I, I did this and this and this, and I, I can't even say it to anyone. I can't even say it to this. I want you to know your sins are forgiven. Oh, but Pastor, you can't say that. If, if you only knew, I. Your sins are forgiven because of what Jesus has done. That's the best possibility, isn't it? That everything from from this point on back, it's all gone and it's all washed away because Jesus suffered and died for you. I want you to at least know that as you walk out the door, but knowing that then, that, that you are, are completely holy and completely redeemed and that you actually belong in heaven, which is a holy place. You belong there. That you're not going to want to ever, ever, ever go back to what you once were then. And look, I, I wish I could spend a long time giving you tons of practical applications, but I want to at least give you this one. That since you are so filled with the Holy Spirit, 
by that same life that rose Jesus from the dead, that you are now empowered to do something huge and dramatic and radical, that you would be able to turn your head five inches to the right or five inches to the left when there's temptation. Your neck muscles work. <laughs> and that you would now be empowered. This is a dramatic and radical thing to do, that when you're, when you're on that cell phone and, and you're tempted to pause, that you would do one of these. Like, the Holy Spirit has given you power to do this, that you would just do a flick. And it's gone. You see what I mean? Holy Spirit powered living that you can use those neck muscles and you can use those thumb muscles to leave it all behind because of who you are and because of what Christ has done. Now, I want to bring it home to you like this. I, I'm going to admit today that um, I struggle with what to say with this sermon because I wanted to give something practical to so many different groups of people. Like I thought about the young people, like my kids, my daughters, I thought about them. Like, what can I say to them? I thought about people who are dating. <laughs> you know, what do we say to them? Or I thought about the, the, the newly divorced or the longtime divorced people. I, I, I thought about the married couples and what could I say to them? And I, I thought about the people who are actively struggling with an addiction to pornography. I thought about all of those things, but I thought I can't speak to all of those things, but I can begin a necessary conversation. So I hope, this is my prayer, I hope that you go home and you talk about these things in your families. If you want, reach out to me. I hope that if you're dating, that you're going to talk to the person that you're dating about these things. And I hope that you talk to God about it too. It's just the beginning. This is Jesus' clear teaching on love and lust.